Hey Seamus, even though this is a Nintendo podcast, uh, do you want to talk about games journalism and yourself for about 50 minutes, then get into a bit of Nintendo chatter? Yeah, sure, why not? What's up everybody, welcome to The House of Mario, episode 32, I'm your host Drew Agnew, and joining me today is a very special guest, a good friend of mine, Seamus Mullins. Thank you for joining me on the show. Thank you for having me so much. Uh, I'm really excited to be on the show, to be part of it. Today we're going to be talking about uh, whatever we're going to talk about, then we're going to go to the (laughs) Nintendo Direct. (laughs) Like, there's there's a lot of news. There's, there's like, I think some of the biggest news that's happened so far for this year in regards to Nintendo, so we've got got a bit to talk about. We do have a bit to talk about. But first up, Seamus, I want to talk about just... uh, what we went through. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Drew and I haven't seen each other for a while, so we're just we're just giggling when, whenever we look at each other. <laughs> well, that little schoolgirl's like, "Where are you going?" <laughs> uh, just uh, at school, we went to school five years ago. Or when did we graduate? Well, it's two thousand eight. We've graduated two thousand twelve, so this is the sixth year. Sixth that we've been out of high school now. My God, yeah, goes quick. Oh, and like we. Did we meet each other in kindy originally? Kindy or early yeah. primary school? Yeah, yeah, I think it was kindy, and then like we became friends like a couple of years properly into primary school, and then we were just like very close best friends for like most of primary school, all of high school. Yeah, and then like we just hated each other for the past five years, and this is kind <laughs> of a very, very reunion podcast for for us yeah just like a lot of murdering each other's oh. families and, yeah well and stuff. when i get home i'm gonna have to paint over all the i hate shameless <laughs> in my bedroom wall <laughs> there, uh, there's a lot yeah no what i want to talk about <laughs> is uh the last five years or so after high school you've really been concentrating on your video game writing you've been uh writing for multiple sites uh yeah <laughs> Well, it's, yeah. uh, it's only single player, um, Presta. You, you listen. You've got a lot better. Yeah. Well, it's like it's it's been quite a journey, um, and there's there's more to go into for sure. But just some of the websites that I've written for over the last couple like three or so years in particular is onlysingleplay.com, a very like US based, but there was a national t- international team. That was the first website I really wrote for as part of a team. I was with them for several months. In 2015, and then halfway through 2016, I started writing for Press Start Australia, which is, I still think, one of the best Australian video game news sites for Australian perspectives on prices, wow. release dates, editions, like politics, industry, so many things. Um, I was with them for like over a year, and more recently, Drew, I've, I've started doing more freelance writing, actually. Yep. Would you would you like me to say yeah like, yeah, yeah go yeah, ahead yeah, go yeah, for yeah. it yeah um like sorry just lost my train of thought uh, <laughs> <laughs> um so and more so like more recently like I said started doing more freelancing since I've sort of left Press Start Australia um for websites like IGN mm. and just a week ago or uh, two weeks ago now yeah I had my first article published on IGN dot mm. com. Yeah, congratulate. Like, I was over the moon when you told me about this, honestly. And and uh, I think I saw it before you posted it. I saw it on Twitter, like, by the actual IGN Twitter. Oh, cool, yeah. And I was like, holy shit, here it is. Yeah, oh, man, like, it's... 
like I said, it's been a long journey. It's and like you said, you know, since like the last five years, like it's been something that I've been working towards. But like first year out of high school, like I had no idea what I wanted to do. And like throughout high school, year twelve, final year, like when everyone's like, you know, doing subjects that they're meant to be doing that's similar to their interests, like I just didn't know, and, and similar to you as well. Mm. And at the end of year twelve, got my results and everything, and still had to like choose courses at uni, and like. Still didn't know. And then a friend, a uh, close friend, Rowan Godwin, was like, you love games. Why don't you just make them? And I was yep. like, whoa, like, that just makes so much sense. And then I, I went to Flinders and I did computer science for a year and it was really fucking hard. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> and it's and it was it was very programming heavy as well, which I honestly thoroughly enjoyed a lot. Um did like just just very beginners computer science um did networking learned a few languages um did did a couple of things like databasing web design and development as well and I, I enjoyed a lot of it but after my first year i just felt like it just just wasn't quite what i wanted to be doing at that time but it gave me really good perspective about you know not just about games but just about technology in general because before that like i knew nothing about computers i knew nothing how they work i just i just used them Mm. Um, and so after a year, like I had so much, some such a great perspective on technology and, uh, to a small extent game design as well. And then towards the end of the year, I just, I just felt the urge to start writing. Um, I hadn't really done that much writing before. Like I played games my whole life, but it wasn't until in year 12 when you introduced me to podcast beyond and mm-hmm. um which you know is very dear to to both our hearts and, and many of our friend close friends as well and that's when like i started really following the industry and like looking at what games were coming out because i still remember like going to an eb games and just like looking in like one of their like discount bins and just like portal 2 half never heard of it i guess i'll go home i guess i'll give it a go and i'm like holy crap like i did that up until year 12 and then started actually following the industry and listening to podcasts beyond and going to ign and other websites very frequently and like looking at games industry news and i feel like that time was when it was becoming more prominent like ign and stuff had been going already for a really long time but i feel like at that point, it really started to become a bigger thing on the internet as well. Like just crazy amounts of people really listening in and checking out like news, like weekly, daily for like announcements and stuff, um, which previously I think before was a lot of people were similar to me where they just game would come out, they go to EB games and just, and just check it out. Yeah. Um, and before that it was magazines. And so if, if you weren't reading magazines, like you wouldn't know what's going on until you went to the store and looked. Um, and getting into the industry more and having a great following and like and looking at games beyond just games if that makes sense rather than it's just like a pastime something that like i really started to appreciate the finer elements in video games much much more and you and i and other friends would be discussing it like on a daily basis that i don't i don't know if we even did any like work really we were just i don't think so listening to podcasts (laughs) watching anime um you know k-on drew and (laughs) especially 2012 that was the prime for for the 3ds and vita yeah oh yeah as well so i just used to have them with me in mine phone or ipod yeah. touch whatever it is I, re- the podcast. I remember you having a video and like playing yours and i was just like i just wanted to play more and so i got my own yeah and so yeah we were very playstation centric back then yeah very very and and so that really got me interested in the games more and then i went and studied it and then after that i after the year of studying i just started writing a bit about games and i was just like 
I enjoy writing. I like games. Why don't I start doing this? And it's really funny looking back on that now. Like there, it was um on Blogspot or Blogger. Oh God, yes, yeah, yeah. And I had a blog on that, and like I did, I only did like three or four posts on that, and like I think it's still out there somewhere. Don't try and find it. Like just, <laughs> just don't. And it's it is funny looking back at that, and that was late 2013, and now we're early 2018. So you know, over four years later now, and like how far I've come from just doing blogging by myself and then doing a Bachelor of Media journalism and, like, really getting into it. Mm. And, like, whenever I had the opportunities to have, like, choice about what I would do with my assignments, it would always be game-focused. And then because of that, I started writing about the Australian games industry a lot in particular. And it was around that time that, like, a lot was actually happening in Australia. It's after the recession and a lot of AAA's... Um, series were closing like the last one the 2k in canberra closed in 2014 and i remember that and then the interactive games fund being closed down and like i was actually doing reporting for that as part of my studies and it was something i really enjoyed and i was like okay like this is something that i really like this is something that i, I really want to do and like mm. pursue and do more and more and so it was more of a study thing in my first year of uni and then my second year i actually looked went out to try and find websites to write for because I, I love being part of teams and I found onlysingleplay.com. Um, and do you, do you remember much of onlysingleplay.com or me sharing the articles? Yeah, yeah, I read there? your articles when you posted them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, it's a really cool website. Um, and it's like, I think it's a nice little niche and focus as well. And there's a lot of really yeah. cool people there. And actually the guy who started it now, he, he's doing um, a really cool thing similar to Danny O'Dwyer's No Clip, but it's called Gameumentary. Um, but okay. much much less known. Um, but they do the same thing. They do documentaries of games and studios, and it's really well, good. as a part of the website, or he does. Oh, it it's elsewhere? it's actually separate um, from only single player. Now the original owner, he's not involved with it anymore. He sold okay. it off, and now he's yeah. just doing game inventory. And it's and it's really really good. And it's, so it's funny, like the connections you make years ago when you're starting out and like how they evolve and change yeah. everyone and, branches out and you've yeah yeah and eventually back. people just do different things and it's really special to see where they go so i was at only single player um in 2015 for about four five six months um the first time i covered e free for a website and that was a really interesting experience and like being involved in a team for the first time as well and like the more i was doing this the more i was like yeah i really enjoy this yeah. so how, how'd you find that so that's your first year covering e3 was it what you would think it would be or um yeah to an extent like there's a lot of um nuances to video game coverage particularly when it comes to events and like how much is is going on and you think of something like like if you really follow like games industry news and you would see at e3 like ign's war room where they just have like dozens of desks and computers set up and like they've got people running around on the floors all the time but during like conferences in particular when there's um, so much news dropping they've got like dozens of people there covering the news but that mm. also includes people who are just getting screenshots who are doing gifs who are doing titles and headlines and then the people who are actually writing it and and you know making the articles happen and then people pushing out to social media like there's there's a lot going on and so just doing it for only single um with a smaller team like it was similar where we had people who was doing those similar kind of roles but there was just a lot more to do because and there was, because there was a lot less of us um, so that was a really interesting experience. I found it through the website, uh, video, I think it's videogamejournalistjobs.com and there's just like websites just list like opportunities for websites. Mm. So if you're interested in, in games writing and just want to find and be part of a team and get experience, that's a great place to go. There's It's mostly volunteer stuff, um, but there is some paid stuff there. Be wary of stuff where it's like, you know, 
paid for clicks or like yeah. I've been in situations where I've seen and heard people like have to get to a thousand or even 10,000 views on an article and then they'll get like a payment of $20 or maybe $50 and, that, and that's gross. That's like yeah. really, really and gross. That's not going to pay many bills either. No, no. Yeah. And it's just, it, I feel like it forms a really to- a toxic environment. So it's better that you are in an environment where it's like you understand what you're getting into and, and I know a lot of people would say that and I've come around to the idea more that like about working for free and the, you know, whether that's a good thing or not, but mm. I wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't work yeah. for free or volunteer, but I knew what I was getting in, into it. Like the websites I work for, they profited from it. Mm. People had sometimes full-time jobs or making money from advertising stuff. I understood that, but I just wanted experience. I wanted to work in a team and some would say that's a sacrifice you made. I didn't really mind because it was something I did in my spare time. It wasn't something that I was like doing full time and I'm not making any money. It was something I was just doing to a degree for fun and getting some experience. And I think that's fine. Like, you know, that's what most people who cover games do really. Like there's not that many people who are actually employed full time at Kotaku or IGN, or Polygon. Like you round it up, like maybe it's a couple thousand, but in, you know, the whole world, that's not, that's not a lot. That's not a lot of people. No. Um, you, you got to make sure they don't take advantage of you as well. Yeah. Like, so, oh, you get exposure, but that's not necessarily true either. Like, depends on the website. It, yeah, and the, well, it depends. I feel like, like, obviously, exposure gets thrown around a lot, and it's a very dirty word, and not just for <laughs> games writing, for like any creative thing, for doing design, uh, for, for for various things where you're in a situation where someone else is making money and you're not getting paid. But I feel like you can just if just be in a position where you can use it to your advantage. So if you, like, I have a link now to my portfolio of work at onlysingleplate.com and similar to press start. And so, you know, if I'm applying for an actual job now or when I'm going to editors and they're like, well, show me what you've done before. Show me you have experience. Like, here's hundreds of articles that I've written for websites mm. and showing my growth as well. And they're like, oh, like, they can visibly see that because there's a timeline. They can see dates when it's posted and stuff. And that's great. There have been instances in websites, and I can't remember one recently where, like, the editors were like real toxic and when someone would leave they would like the main person would just put his name on all their articles and reviews and stuff like oh god there's always things like that and yeah. regardless of the industry there's always gonna be stuff like that and there's it's not often most people are really nice and wonderful but just just keep an eye out for that and that's you know that's one of the things i've had to navigate a bit and it's it's not easy finding a place to call home and where you fit in really well and really jive with a team um, like it takes time and I feel like I'm only really getting to that point now after years of volunteering for different websites so after I left onlysingleplay.com do you want me to just keep rambling no yeah go yeah. for it man okay go. cool cool I can ramble for days uh, <laughs> for days <laughs> yeah days 48 hour yeah, podcast 40, yeah well has it been done before you know let's, <laughs> let's, like let's get on the world record book true like no let's not do that dear god like oh my uh, <laughs> so after onlysingleplay.com I, I took a bit of more focus on my studies and and that was really good because my degree gave me like a lot of opportunities to work in different mediums and at university as well. Like I was part of a uh, suit magazine. So in print, I was doing radio. So a lot of audio editing and stuff, which I really enjoyed. Um, I even had my own radio show uh, called Pixels Rising at a uh, community radio station, Adelaide, that I did over a year with um, a couple of friends, Michelle or Shell as she was known, and a couple other friends who were in for bits from time to time. Um, Andrew Gurr, who was actually a friend I met through uni doing journalism. And we started chatting in the tutorial and he was writing for like another video game news website, just volunteering. Like very, like the exact same thing I was doing. And so like he was involved and uh, there was Sam or his nickname became um, 
uh, Small Sexy, I think it was. Small Sexy. (laughs) (laughs) Because there was like another show before us and the guy, I can't remember which way it was, whether it was Big Sexy, his name or Small Sexy. And so like, we didn't have a nickname for Sam for ages. And so we (laughs) gave him just the alternative to what this guy was calling himself in the program before us. And then it stuck. (laughs) Did they like that on the... um... (laughs) Were you like the higher ups at the station fine with that? Um, or they just had no idea? No idea. Yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> that's all right. We had we we yeah we had a lot of fun, and that's the thing about community radio is another thing I'd say like there's a lot of community radio stations around. Like I don't know what it's like outside of Australia, but in, in Australia, like um, in in Queensland, in Brisbane, there is a video game radio show there actually. And I know not only, like, is there a great team there, and I've got friends who have been involved, and Alana Pierce, who was at IGN, she was on it a lot back in the day as well. Like, yeah, people, right. yep. uh, there's, like, some people have been paid to do stuff there as well, as, as well as volunteering, and there's one in Sydney too, and there's community, there's one in Melbourne too, actually. Um, there's, like, video game radio shows, and there's other community shows and stuff, and, like, it's a lot of fun. It's, like, it's just... And it's also knowing once again what you're getting into. You're not gonna go out there and just you know make money or anything like that. It's like it's can be a stepping stone for experience, like it has been for me. And it can just also be a lot of fun. And like I had the opportunity where I, after like being involved in the station for a while, I was asked if I wanted to do my own video game show, and I was like hell yeah. And then did not realize how much effort that took because it was two hours every week. Mm-hmm. And I'm the type of person where I'm I'm very perfectionist in a lot of ways, and like I want to make content that's really worthwhile. I don't want to just like half-ass it. I want it to be something that's like worth someone really tuning in for. And so we were doing interviews with developers on a regular basis, and other members of the view game industry in, in Australia. Are, some examples are Chris Johnson, who made Expand here in Adelaide. Um, by the way, we're recording in Adelaide as as well. We have location change. Yeah, for well, the House of Mario. Yeah, the House of Mario is in Adelaide this week. <laughs> I've come up for a wedding this week, so and that's also why Bryce isn't here. Yeah, <laughs> people are just like, "Where the hell's Bryce?" Is he sitting in the background? No. Yeah, Bryce is just—he's just waiting to just jump in. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, he couldn't. Uh, we could we couldn't work out a time this week to record. Yeah, and, and Drew had uh, asked me previously um, in the past couple of weeks, like if I wanted to come on. I was like, "Yeah," and it just worked that Drew was up in the alley, so. That's why Bryce is there. Um, but yeah, to, to get back onto my, my ramblings, um, like some other examples, like if you're uh, a big Australian gamer, I'm sure you've watched um, Good Game and interviewed uh, Nick Boy and Janet Carr, the creator of the show, and they were a lot of fun. So we did a lot of interviews with people involved in the industry. Um, we would do we would feature different chiptune artists every week. I became really involved in chiptune genre as well which yeah. i'm really happy i did because there's so much great chiptune music um like mm. just it's just incredible amounts um and we would do like so many different segments um some about local news stories some international stuff and then we also did like some odd sort of segments i remember towards the end we were doing reviews of um dating simulators which was which is a lot of fun or doing um, reviews <laughs> of video game movies and just how trash um, a large majority all of them just all of them um and so I spend a bit of time focusing on, on those aspects uh, for me in university and, and building up a lot of experience in a lot of different areas and doing my own blog online as well. So still do, going experience writing online and blogging, which is really important as well and building up sort of a skill set across a, a lot of mediums. And then after a while, I really, I just like I've said previously, I, I really like being involved in teams and working to build a bigger brand because you can always do more with more people, you know. You, of course, you can, you can yeah. do a podcast by yourself where it's like, 
like, and you can make probably a really good podcast and like I'm you know that's if you want if you want to do that do that but like having Drew and Bryce together and having you guys having your relationship you know, like you can do so much more mm. yeah bounce ideas off one another it, and, exactly and just yeah. do things that you would never think of by yourself and, and that was the same thing with me wanting to be involved in video game news websites but this time I wanted to be involved in the Australian one because only single player.com most of the guys were in America and so trying to chat with them or do podcasts was like very early in the morning and very late at night and communicating it was it was hard and so this time I was like I want to be with an Australian team so it's easier to communicate and so I can actually meet them but also because I was interested in coming covering the games industry through my work at uni and then through Pixels Rising as well covering it a lot I wanted to cover games more and do that website where that was really ve- um, relevant and I stumbled across Press Start Australia which was a personal project of Shannon Grixie, um, who's a wonderful guy, graphic designer, manager of Press Start, and he started just out as a blog um, with Australian focus on games, and which is something like like there is Kotaku Australia, but they've got like a whole bunch of other things going on, and there's not many websites that really just cater to Australian. Um, like there's a lot of smaller ones that cater to the Australian market, but Press Start's definitely now one of the biggest ones. Game Plants and really it's grown a lot too. over the last few years. Yeah, hasn't it? well, for the first three years or so, it was very slow build up as it is with anything and building up a fellowship. But it was really what Shannon had created was really cool, and it was very consistent with social media, which is a big, which I think, and is really important, and it's proved to be a big success for Shannon as well. Um, and also coming from a graphic design point of view, Press Start just looked nicer than a lot of other websites. And yeah, sure. after about three or over three years, uh, Southern Cross Australia, the biggest radio network and one of the biggest TV networks in Australia, bought Press Start and employed Shannon full time. So it can happen, folks. Like it's like mm. just it took years of work, but now Shannon is still employed full time as manager and editor of Press Start. And that's why he does day to day. He covers news, but for the Australian market. And now it's like type of thing where it's getting hundreds and hundreds of thousands of views every month, like really core readership, really strong following on social media. Um, and I was, it was wonderful to be a part of it, to cover the games industry, indie developers particularly here, because after the collapse of um, the AAA studios here in Australia, it's, it's now we're going through a period now, which is really cool. And I really appreciate of small indie developers who have come away from those bigger studios that were here like 2k and stuff like that and now they've made their own little series and making their own games and covering that and like the the rise of indies here in australia and going to events and and covering like rooster teeth expo uh, sydney uh, with teammates there and pax australia as well was a lot of fun and i learned so much from that i learned a lot from shannon in regards to brand management in regards to how position articles as well um, and so, oh, like, lots and lots of stepping stones. Like, you mm. know, it's it's not something that just happens. No, I didn't just, like, email an editor at IGN and they were just like, oh, yeah, sick. Like, yeah, of course. Like, chuck, and, some, chuck some words on our site. Just and do we'll it. just make it happen. No, it's, like, just years of, of study, of volunteering, of getting skill sets. And it's not just even skill sets or experience, just perspectives of working in different mediums and understanding how content is made in different ways and how you can bring that to your personal medium of preference and what the type of content you can do. Mm. And that's something I really think about a lot. Like so often you see articles, particularly in the written space online where it's very like, particularly if it's an interview and it's just like question, answer, question, answer. It's just like, well, 
that's not very interesting. That's not something like it's unless, fine unless you want like an answer. Then that's that's okay. But if you're just reading through, yeah, not so much. Yeah, yeah. like and for some interviews, that's better. But I like telling a story as much as possible with interviews and making it bigger part. Or like for example, for press start last year, I interviewed them Austin Wintry, um, well-renowned composer, one of the most well-known in the view game industry. Done Journey, Banner Saga, Assassin's Creed Syndicate, like mm. a lot of pretty big games. And I interviewed him um, about a game he was working at the time for a Devolver Absolver, which is a really cool online oh, yeah. yep. fighting game. And I talked mm. to him about that, but I also talked to him about um, him being involved in the Australian group uh, Tripod and like a, a show he has done with them for the last couple of years mm. and other things like, you know, what are his favorite um, video game composers and soundtracks and so it was the type of thing where one of my articles was like here they are and then hey here's actually like a link to the music or it's a plugin so you can play it as you're listening to it I like having content that's varied where you can get different experiences like you listening to music as you're reading about and his preferences and that cross sort of connection of content yeah. I don't really know what to call it yeah, well, especially if you're reading about music and you got no idea what it sounds it's like, like it's, yeah, it's meaningless just having a yeah. SoundCloud player right there so you can just play it and listen to it and be like oh yeah like I get and like you know it's, that's something I I really want to do more in the future and it's not something that's easy um, but something I want to explore more and if possible for bigger news websites um, so yeah but like I was saying lots and lots of stepping stones to get to the point where Last year, I was still writing for Press Start, but I was at the point where I was like, uh, up until that point, I hadn't been paid by anyone. I was getting to a point where I was like, I feel like my writing skills have gone to a point where I'm really happy with it, where I'm feeling more confident with myself. And I went through a really long stage of not being confident in myself. And that's something I talked about in my first article for IGN, actually. But mm. I, I got to a point where I was more comfortable. I had a decent portfolio and I knew people in the industry as well. Um, particularly around Australia and New Zealand. And I was like, I want to start freelancing or trying to do it because I had some friends who would do it. I knew it was a thing that people did. It was possible. It's mm. And starting to like understand what the roots were to, to doing that and rather than just being this ambiguous fog of like, how the hell do you, do you even begin to try and freelance for someone? And it's about building connections. It's like not only is it about building up your portfolio and your confidence in your writing and being just a good writer and having a knowledge that's worthwhile and for someone to freelance a contract you for, but it's going to events and meeting people and, and networking and, and getting to know the editors for a lot of websites. Cause it's, it's one thing to like just send an email to their email address or their, their like their freelance email address that a lot of websites do have like Polygon does and Waypoint as well. And IGN to a lesser extent, but like actually knowing them and having a conversation it's like they're so much more likely to to read your email, to actually check out what you're pitching to them, and ha- and try and like be interested in, in you. Because you think of how many people, how many emails, waypoints, email for freelance would get on a regular basis, and Polygon, like you'd just be wouldn't like to be a job I'd like to have. No, that. no. To, to look for it all. And someone like Austin Walker, who's the editor for Waypoint, he does, he does actually look for them all, and like that would be so time consuming for him. And it's like if he sees a name he doesn't know, or if it's like something that he's not like a hundred percent into, then it's like. It's 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 unlikely that he's gonna dig that or try and get back to you about it because there's just so many other people and there's already so many pools of established freelancers. Like it's it's really hard. It is it's it's not an easy thing to do. And I got to a point last year where I wanted to start freelancing and I to get paid for it as well. And so I started reaching out to a couple of editors and starting conversations with people. And I started talking to Cam Shea, who's the one of the content or writers or editors for IGN Australia. And they have an awesome team, Lucy O'Brien, Tristan, um, and Cam, like 
Luke Riley, really, really good, solid team. They do awesome content. And I started talking to Cam and just being like, I met him from events, through work. Um, would you like me to go into my like public relations stuff as well? Or just keep going, dude. Just, just keep, keep going. going. So, so um, <laughs> after I finished uni at the start of last year, I started doing contract work for Double Jump Communications. They're a video game and tech public relations agency based in Australia. I interned with them as part of my degree. And once I finished, uh, I had the opportunity to do contract work for them in Sydney and Melbourne for a about six or so months in total across 2017 and so i got to meet a lot of people in the industry or more so better and like i remember i met cam shay years ago at pax the first pax i went to actually mm. um and so i sort of it's like you, you that's the thing it's going to events and slowly building up relationships because it's not just gonna happen immediately like don't be that type of person that just walks out in this man like hey like i want to write for you so it's like no. that's just gonna pull off someone like so hard bring like, uh, plenty of 50s to bring to buy beers yeah when you go out to the bar yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a process and it takes time and so that was my first opportunity to really get to know a lot of people through working events and in particular meeting people at events where I was representing clients in Australia um, such as Devolver Digital uh, Blizzard Entertainment Side Games which is a really big Japanese company or uh, game developer um, Razer uh, Plantronics HyperX like all international um, but with like some pretty reasonable companies in the games sphere, I, f- I think so at least. And so mm. through those events, I started meeting people and I started conversations just at that time. Like, hey, like I'm interested, like, is this a possibility? And and slowly, and the, the thing is with just IGN, it's it took about, it was a conversation that started from, from when I started that conversation, just asking if it was a possibility to getting my first article published was like six to seven months. Like, it was definitely a process of, like, starting that conversation and then sort of continuing over a couple months and then talking about more in person at events and then actually doing pitches and having pitches accepted. And then the process itself going from having accepted and and publishing is, like, sub-editing, coming up with headers and subtext and stuff, and then how does it fit into the content strategy for someone like IGN who has a lot of Australian freelancers as, as well. And there's... So many really, really good Australian freelancers um, doing content for IGN right now. And I've become to know a lot more of them the last couple of months now that I've started writing for IGN and become more involved. And like, I can't think of all of them off the top of my head. Like Julian Rizzo-Smith, really good friend of mine who's in Sydney. He's done a couple articles for IGN, one about Cowboy Bebop and another about um, his mental affiliation with Ninja Fury's latest game, uh, Hellblade. And there's lots of cool articles. Go to the IGN AU's Twitter and like they're all listed there. Yeah. So you can check it out really easily. Hmm. Um, and so it's like, there's just, you know, there's just so many things that go into a process like this and then to, to actually get it published, which was um, just, just two weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. So how, how do you feel having one of your most personal articles put on one of the biggest game sites in the world? It's pretty fucking surreal. Um, <laughs> like, it's, it's not like you just wrote, oh, Borderlands 3 is coming out today. Like, you, haven't, you didn't just write something like that. No, it's- no. So, to give a bit more context, um, with freelancers in Australia, and it's different for every company, and, uh, for a website in different regions, but particularly in Australia, the freelancers that they get are for more opinion-based, long, in-depth pieces that are like thousands and thousands of words, like really in-depth. Because it's... They're going to get people who can't do this content in-house themselves because they just don't have the time. They actually have a lot of freelance um, news writers in Australia and across the world as well. You'd be surprised how many 
new freelancers work for IGN, like just dozens and dozens of them to like get as much content there is and fill in the gaps for news and, mm. and all this type of stuff because like I love what the content team in San Francisco and UK and Australia are doing are like kind of like the basic fundamentals of content of like the dozens of podcasts they do and the video shows they do and like just doing all those things themselves like takes so much time and then the big event coverage as well so have like freelancers are really important to them to fill in those gaps to help out with news like i saw during the nintendo direct there was a couple um news freelancers who were working alongside the more regular um news writers at ign like andrew goldfarb and marty sleever and jonathan dornbrush and and stuff like that so the freelancers are a really big part of not just ign but a lot of websites um and when I pitched to Cam, I sent him a couple different pitches and pitching is a new thing for me as well, honestly, because most of my experience writing for websites has been part of a team. So it's kind of like, oh, here's our idea for like the person who's kind of the editor manager. And it's like, we kind of talk about, and most of the time it's more like kind of, oh, the next five great Pokemon dolls are coming out. <laughs> like, like it's just more listicles or news and not real big opinion pieces. And so yeah. pitching for me is a new thing for me in, the, in in a lot of ways and it's something I'm going through in my first couple of pitches now which I sent just to Cam like just a month and a half ago I look back at it now I'm like wow they were they were bad and like so now when I've done my next sets of pitches they're, they're so much better so much concise and to the point and describing exactly what I want to write about and so the first time I sent pitches there was a couple of them and my first one was about on Life is Strange and Life is Strange is a very story narrative driven game very similar to the Telltale games if you haven't played it but very much its own twist on the Telltale format, and I feel like it did it a lot better than a lot of Telltale games as well. And yeah. it connected with me for a lot of reasons. I won't go into too much itself. You can go read the article on IGN dot friggin com, like, and <laughs> if you want to get the full thing. But it was very much. Um, I had a really strong connection with Life is Strange and the main character Max Clawfield because at the time when I played it back in 2015, I was just in a very similar space to her, trying to figure out what I was doing with my life, gain confidence in my own skill set, which was writing and pushing through. Because it's the thing any creative person has, where it's like, I was talking to a friend, graphic designer last night, a friend of ours, Joel um, Rennie, who's a big Nintendo fan. Okay, yep. And him talking about the same thing, like, you know, just, just making content because you're just afraid of it not being good enough and it's like you mm. just gotta push through and do it and so i connected with max and in a lot of ways and i enjoyed the game a lot it's probably one of the games i've cried the most in as well like just so like just a ridiculous amount and like there's some really moving parts and so it's an idea i've had in my head for a couple years now where i wanted to talk about my connection with life is strange and particularly why i found max the protagonist such a relatable character um, and that was like my first kind of one of my pitches for Cam, and he was just like, "Yeah, that sounds good." Yeah, <laughs> and so, and so over a month, I actually wrote it, and we sent it back between each other, and just doing edits and stuff. And it's a really fun process, and and Cam's an awesome editor, like really, really talented, and like just leveled up the piece, as it were, in lame game terms. Yeah. What well, well, like I, like. I, I, was there much of that? Was there much of like, um, move this sentence here, do this paragraph? It depends on the editor, obviously. But with in a situation like Cam, it's like he's such a great editor where it's very much, you know, suggestions and just making it flow better. But most importantly, and this is like the most important thing about being an editor is making the writer's message more concise and making it come across the best that it can. Because some editors are very much like, they'll just change stuff to fit what they think it should be. But... Great editors like Cam, they won't just come in and be like, 
you know, the, obviously, if there if there were issues with content, they would say it. But in this situation, yeah. the content was fine. It's just about making delivering the message even better, make, yeah. making it more concise, making it easier to read. And mm. there's things like you always miss. The day it got published, Cam sent it to me via email. It's like, hey, if you see any issues with it, like tell me. It's like I read through it. Yeah, there's actually a couple grammar things, <laughs> and like we've we've looked at it both like half a dozen times each and edited it multiple times, and there's still things at the end when it's been published after all that like changes to be made and updates to be made even after it's been published so it's it's quite a process and collaborative process but it was really good Ken's mm. like like I've said he's a really great editor and there's a lot of really good editors in Gamespear but it's 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 not easy to find them yeah. all the time because it, it is important to, like, to keep it as your article yeah. not just like completely change the wording and how it's structured because that, that was my first concern when you said, oh, you know, pe- they go through it and change things. I was like, oh. Yeah, people Yeah, people have a lot of qualms and questions about that. And, like, justly. Because, like, you just... Like, every editor is different. You just don't know what they're going to do. But, yeah, Kemp's very good at just keeping that message um, and just conveying it as, as best as possible. Yeah. Um, so, and... Like, Cam told me the week before when it was game being published on the Monday, and, like, honestly, that day, I was on IGN just, like, refreshing. Yeah, <laughs> like, every yeah. couple of minutes. And, I bet you were. And I eventually, <laughs> eventually, because that's the thing, like we said earlier, like, Beyond was a really big part of our lives back in, in high school, and it was for years after as well, and even into Kind of Funny now, too. And it was such a big part of me growing my interests and IGN as a whole as well um all their content there and great writers over the years of my interest in games and so you know and it's like pretty much the biggest games website in the world it is it it is yeah yeah. and so like I was pretty nervous as well I'd I'd sort of was I was getting excited leading up to it and then I was like the day before I just had this moment where I was like oh shit like are people gonna like it (laughs) like are people gonna hate it or not because it was a very personal piece and like yeah um and so some, like some loved it some didn't yeah like, and that's and that's how it comments, is and yeah. there's always the silent majority like like 90 percent people who are going 95 percent people who are going to come and read it and be like oh i didn't like it or i did like it and they'll be off yeah won't leave a comment won't share it they'll just read it and be on and that's that's just how it is um and so that day i'm like refreshing it and after a while i'm just like nah i can't do this i'll go play a game and i start playing a game for like five minutes and then i got an email from cam it's just like, it's like i was like oh fuck <laughs> Um, and the response was awesome. Like there was heaps of comments, like more comments on that one article than I've ever had in, on all my other articles before because it's IGN and a lot of people connected yeah. with it, good and bad. And the thing is though, like there's a lot of people who make snarky comments and be like, oh, life is strange as shit. And it's like, for you to say that, obviously like you must, the, the game must have a great enough influence for you to have to say something. And I think that says something good about life is strange because most things people just move on from. So it's like, even if you're hating on it, it's like, Thanks for reading and thanks for coming. But for the most part, the response it was it was just great to have people to talk with about. People read it and like even if they're saying shit, I can just have people to talk to hmm. about and discuss it more. And on social media, it was it's, it blew up a lot as well. Um, just posting on my own Twitter and like like I tag Greg Miller and Colin Morali. I was just like, oh hey, like you guys were a big influence. Like I I published it. Uh, my first article for IGN after like five years since I started listening to you. And they both replied and was like, oh, sick. That's that's awesome. I was like, whew. Like, <laughs> I, I couldn't ask for much more. And then like a lot of people retwe- retweeting, like Greg retweeted it as well. I was just like, man, you didn't have to do that. But like, that's just so nice. And just, 
Yeah, and like even in the kind of funny communities as well online and just like Life is Strange community, like there was a Life is Strange fan site that shared that. that. Yeah. And it got yeah. like over a thousand likes and like just hundreds of retweets. And I was like, what the hell? Like, holy, holy crap. I wasn't expecting it. And I, I actually shared the article with the developers themselves because after years of like working for smaller sites and learning to self-promote your work as much as possible like whenever i publish an article i always tag the developers and i didn't have that necessary in this case where like when it was published on twitter and stuff through ign so it's like i just sent messages to don't nod entertainment the french developers who made life is strange it's like hey here's an article i wrote about life is strange and they were, and then they shared it on their social media as well which was really special hey mr ign small websites contacting the developers <laughs> it's yeah it's like that's the thing it's it's so, so somewhat of a big leap really and this was my first paid piece as well which is something really special in mm. its in itself which is it's just yeah it's it's nice to be but yeah paid after all these years and having a degree in media and, and journalism as well and actually get paid by the biggest video game news website in the world like I, it's surreal i can't believe it and i can't wait like honestly yeah. though the second the day after i was just like what's my next thing i was just like i was thinking about what is the next thing i want to do and i've already got ideas and i've already like pitching now and to cam and to other editors other websites because there's just there's so many great games i want to talk about and and i have close experiences with and i want to share and discuss more with within the ga- gaming community as well and mm. um i've recently um been published on a couple other websites just through a volunteer basis as well geek bomb um, which uh, is a you know, geek culture website, but they're sort of making a big transition to video, but I was happy to be involved and just have an article published on there recently. Um, but more more so, um, OK Beast, a really, really cool website. Have you have you checked oh, out OK absolutely. Beast? Absolutely, yeah, of course I have. Yeah, they're yeah. awesome. Like I love that there's been lots of websites or groups of people from like the Kind of Funny Beyond community who are like, now making their own content like Irrational Passions and, and OK Beast and OK Beast I've been a fan of them for a really long time like yeah. not only is like their website just looks awesome like the visual and graphic design is just like really really nice really crisp and really inviting and beautiful for your eyes to digest and the recent current is great but they do great video essays too and so I just start following and commenting and being involved in the community more with them and be like um Alex, uh, who's one of the main guys, like he started following me at one point or something. I, I can't remember. By message, I was like, "Hey, like, can I write for you guys?" And he was like, "Yeah," because he'd seen a lot of my work from press out and stuff over over the time sharing and, and stuff. And that's it's really important to share your stuff. It's really important every time you do an article, even if it's only blog. Like I did a little really nice piece with my girlfriend uh, review of Florence mobile game from Mountains Melbourne Studio. Mm. And I just share. I just do it on my blog and I still share it everywhere. Still share on your Twitter. Still share on your Facebook. Like show people that you are doing stuff consistently, and they will remember that and they'll see it and they'll recognize your quality. Like, even if they don't go to read it, they see you. You're at least posting <laughs> you're, it and, you're, you've, and you've got stuff going out. Exactly, there. you're yeah. doing stuff you're proactive and you know th- like that's more than what a lot of people ever do and it was in this situation where Alex was like yeah I've seen your stuff like, I really like it like yeah absolutely and I was like oh okay cool <laughs> and honestly that was like very special in itself and in being involved in OK Beast and um, writing articles for them um, yeah it's like they're they're awesome guys there's, there's so many smaller websites like OK Beast that you know, get crowded out by IGN and GameSpot and Polygon and Eurogamer and Waypoint. Like, there's so many big ones. It's like, why won't you go to them? But there is, there are these smaller niche websites like OKBS are doing just awesome content, and it's really worth like 
going and checking him out and you might see an essay on the game that you won't see anywhere else just because the writers there connected with mm. it more than anyone else like yeah yeah so especially with okay beast like their their opinion pieces they like really make you think about the games yeah. as well yeah. it's not necessarily the like brand new games but it might be a game two years ago or yeah 30 years ago Moises one of the main writers he does um, a weekly column where he's he's looking back at old games from like a year ago a month ago years ago and just talking about it and really going into the themes and how he feels about it now and looking because I think that's something that games industry really lacks is, is, is articles looking back on games and perspectives mm. and like down the line whether it's a month later six months later it's so much about the current news cycle and that's, that's just how it is in entertainment in a lot of the ways because there's yeah. just so much happening that's where the clicks are but OK Beast and other websites are doing that type of content where it's looking back and really delving into them in a new way and having time to really digest and, and think about well if you're doing review it's like you just, you're just doing it you're doing it again as quickly as possible and it's like there's times where I've done reviews in a couple of days or before the reset release and then like a couple of months later I look at it and I was like I wouldn't have given it that score now. Now that I've had time to think about and digest it, yeah. and I would say this differently. I'll focus on this differently. Having, yeah, that time. It can to sort of. It, it can take a year to like cement those feelings. It can, and so I, I'm. That's one of the things I love. OKB, OK Beast about as well. Like a lot mm. of the video essays are often quite um, time relevant, but a lot of them are as well. Some of them's talking about emotional connections and helping with mental illness in regards to Stardew Valley, or talking. You know, yeah. Lots of great content. Mm. Yeah, because I feel like uh, like I'm, I'm just sort of starting to really get into like playing the retro games I missed. So like this year, there hasn't been, well, yet there hasn't been that much I'm that interested in. Oh, there's so many games through that. I'm, I'm so far behind already. <laughs> yeah, I'm a bit that way too. But like, for example, I really want to get into Monster Hunter. Oh, that looks so good. How good does Monster Hunter it world looks, look? It, it looks awesome. It looks awesome. But like sort of when I went to get it, it wasn't there. It was, wasn't in stock down Mount Gambia. Ah, well, that's just annoying. So I didn't yeah. get it. Now I'm sort of like, all right, I'll use this time to, my free time to catch up on a few Nintendo 64 games, GameCube games, Wii games, sort of. But yeah, yeah. let's see if that happens. <laughs> that's the thing about games. It's like, it's, 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 you know, it was like to this point years ago, but I think I'm only starting to come to the point where I'm expecting it. Probably not where it's like, I can't play everything. Definitely not. As, yeah, because you no can't, way. like you look at Steam, like how many games are releasing on Steam every day, every week, like just thousands in a year now. You have to play. You have to play all the Steam games. I'm sure they're just <laughs> just quality. Well, even just like I've 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 really put on onus this year on keeping track of the games I play and games that I really want to play. And so I've got like my own personal video game release schedule of games that I'm really interested in. It's like oh, a game just. Like, it's okay if I mention a PlayStation game on a Nintendo Oh my god. Shame. If you have to. It's, it's if okay. you have to. Days Gone has been <gasps> delayed until 2019, which I, I'm really sad about because I'm really, really excited for it. And so it's like, now that's something, like, that's something I changed myself. And it's like, I've got like just this big document of articles I write and games I want to play. And it's like, there's just so many, even just of like the bigger indie games, because I'm a very indie game person. I mm. love what indie developers can do because they're independent and try and tell different stories, unique stories and different game mechanics and like, like Red Strings Club or Celeste this year, two of my favorite games already and probably will be for this year and very small teams and just keeping up with them, let alone with AAA, it's just, it's impossible now because mm. there's, it's such a huge industry and it's, and it's great. And that's why we need more people covering games because there's, 
there's not enough people. There's not enough voices. And a lot of the people are just covering the same thing, the general news cycle. But there's so many special indie games that deserve coverage, deserve to be talked about, um, and deserve to be shared. And that's the best way that they'll that they'll get noticed by people just talking about writing articles. So, yeah, there's room for in- growth in the media games industry, despite what people would say, I think. Hmm. Yeah, because most people just say it's, it's packed, it's very competitive and it is <laughs> it is definitely very competitive i'm not saying that it's not but uh yeah 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 so that's that's my life uh <laughs> just, i tell you what like i'm at the moment i'm sitting here wearing a put in work shirt yeah which is just very nice i like it i feel yeah. like i'm doing a put in work podcast <laughs> yeah it it is in a way yeah yeah i'm sorry that it's not like super nintendo focused and we'll get to that in regards to the direct because there's a lot to talk about but yeah i think we might actually leave that out today oh leave that out today we're approaching 50 minutes oh wow i'm so sorry (laughs) (laughs) that's okay because drew you were just like oh yeah we'll just talk about it and it's just like and i kept asking you like you want me to keep going it's like yeah all right yeah Yeah, keep going yeah Yeah. now it's it's been good do you want to just like put this as putting in work and just send it to jono like oh may as well yeah jono can just like what what do you have to do you have to make the voice a bit deeper is jono's voice a bit deeper a little bit yeah yeah so we'll just been put in work I don't know <laughs> <laughs> which is on the same network that the house in the of Mario is on 8 uh, bit network of course yeah. which you've joined recently and I want to ask you about that like how did that come about uh, I'll be honest we asked them and they said yes <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was as, as simple as that but like how did you like I've, I've seen them grow over the last year or so that they've been doing their stuff and like expanding and just yeah. doing that for a very long time it was very much their own podcast and stuff but recently they've really expanded mm. and bringing up a lot of other podcasts and shows in like putting in work and, and like your own and what was it about them that you want to be part of it well i really i really liked what 8-bit done event like to start off with with brendan and the hungry gamers podcast mm. and love what they did then i saw they, they put out a tweet saying we're looking for other people to join our family i'm like oh that, that sounds cool that sounds like a really cool idea and i saw then then they announced um Buddy and uh, Dash's podcast were joining. He's an awesome guy, really lovely guy. Yeah, yeah. No, they're both are. They're so cool. And uh, then Jono, uh, his show put the work got announced that it was a part of the network. Also, like a lot of the people I was friends with anyway, like Bryce and I were friends with anyway. They were joining, so it'd be, it'd be great to be a part of, you know, what our friends are doing. Yeah, so we can like, b- bounce ideas off one another and and grow and grow together yeah and part of like an australian network of podcasts yeah. which is is really cool like it's, it's you know a couple of years ago that's just wouldn't be a thing because like none of you guys were doing these podcasts you just but now that you've you've just just brought them up yourselves you just started them yourselves and it's grown and developed and yeah it's it's really cool like a real family yeah. friend collaboration like it all started it all started when we went to uh, rtx and we all met each other and um, the Explosion Network guys, they all, As seven well. of those guys got together and started their stuff. And but we started up in, we started up in May, our first episode went out because Bryce and I, we were, we were originally going to do just Let's Plays videos, stuff on YouTube. And that didn't work out just because the internet was that slow. We could not upload anything. And yep. when we did, our face, you couldn't see our faces. It was oh that blurry. We had to upload it at 480p. So that <laughs> didn't work. And so, so we just went, well, like I love podcasts. Like like we said, I've been listening to Beyond IGN, kind of funny other podcasts I listen to for years and years and years. And it's probably one of my favorite mediums, podcasts. So having that smaller file to upload to the internet and also 
probably my preferred media over YouTube videos anyway. Because it just takes so much longer as well. YouTube content takes so much time oh, and effort and yeah. like, my God. And like, not to say podcasts don't. Podcasts, if you want to make a good podcast, like it takes a lot of time and effort too. Like, holy crap. But it is easier. Like, yeah. yeah. It's, only, it's only the audio you got to worry about. You don't have to worry about the video. Video, yeah. Like, So if something will look funny visually but sounds fine, you know, that's... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's really cool. And it's like, I've been... Like, it's been awesome to become friends with everyone who's doing these shows over the past year or so and meeting a lot of them at RTX and uh, Sydney. And I remember when I interviewed Greg Miller and uh, Tim Geddes because they were down last RTX for Press Start with um, good friend Ewan, who still is involved with Press Start. And one of the things, like, Tim said at the time was like, you know, I love this. I love guys like you who have been inspired by us to do your own thing and to just make it happen and, like, come to conventions and and meet up and a lot of situations like in this like with the explosion work guys it's like they were just all fans of kind of funny and they just met online mm. together through the communities and then they met well, in person and they actually wanted to make content together. well they met there first in person I think yeah well I think they'd like like talked online and see each other in the groups and stuff and kind of funny in, in that space but yeah to actually meet for the first time properly yeah, yeah was... well explosion network guys make a documentary or something so <laughs> <laughs> I, it'd be really interesting I yeah. really I really want them to like hire actors <laughs> <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, nah, it's been awesome. Yeah. So, what's what's the future hold for House of Mario now for you for you, Drew? Now that we're one year into the Switch, and you and Bryce are a part of the eight bit network, like, do you have any big goals, or you're just enjoying where House of Mario's at? Uh, we're enjoying just uh, yeah, talking into the microphones and getting a bit more confident, and more ideas. We just started doing the uh, dumb little skits. Yeah, so, which are, which are great. Yeah, <laughs> quite, I quite I quite enjoy those. In, inspired a bit by IGN podcast, hundred yeah, uh, percent. Yeah, IGN AU. Um, Cam Shea, he used to, well, he still does, still does yeah. do these skits at the start of every uh, IGN AU podcast, as as they call. And they're like quite long and in depth. Some of them, like yeah. they've really grown over the years, and they're they're they've been a favorite of ours for for several years now as well, along with Beyond. Yeah, yeah, he's got the same sense of humor as me too. He's always talking yeah. about dolphins. <laughs> And you got to meet Cam last year at PAX as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's cool. Oh, God. It's getting hot in this room, Shamus, I'll be honest. It's, it, it, is a, it is a bit warm, Drew, yes. Why is it so hot in Adelaide? Is it closer to the I, sun up here or what? It's, yeah, that's, that's, how, that's how it works, right? Yeah. <laughs> four hours away, just like, four hours close to the sun. Because like, you're, you're going north. Yeah, so. we're pretty, yeah, that's like up into space, yeah. Pretty much. Yeah, we're right next to Alice Springs, like... <laughs> let's stop embarrassing ourselves yeah right. well, the episode, thanks for listening guys this this was a episode a bit different to usual not much Nintendo chatter and you're probably thinking like oh it's a Nintendo podcast and there was a big direct what happened the uh, other day but we didn't talk anything about the direct what the fuck Jesus but uh, I, I reckon we'll talk um, a bit more about that when I'm back with Bryce I'm sure he has some com Conversations he wants to. Uh, oh, I'm I'm sure. Drew. Yes, There's the, it was a big direct. Like, can I just say Mario Tennis, Mario Tennis Aces? Oh, it's, it looks crisp. I'm very. All right, very so excited. elaborate more on that, and I'll go one one of my points. Okay, okay, okay. Well, well, like it's already been announced previously, but this was like a really more in depth showing of the gameplay and how and how it's going to play and like the different features and stuff and and release day as well. And it's not that far away, just a couple months, but. When I first saw the release date, or saw the initial release and just Game Pass, I was like, wow, this looks really cool. It's like, I've never played any of them before. It looks like a lot of fun. Like like the Mario Soccer, soccer of old, like just a lot of fun and silly and quirky. Um, 
and I never played them, so I was excited. And it looks really crisp, like it just looks, looks really great, yeah. nice. And like it adds to the Switch ecosystem of you know playing with friends and wherever you are and very co-op party type of game. And then the actual gameplay, five minutes, five six minutes they had really went into like the mechanics. And at first it's like, oh, we have these power moves where you can just like win a serve. And I was like, whoa, that seems super broken. Um, and then, <laughs> and then they just like, and they're just like, no way, this isn't broken. Like we have like all these counters and it's like really in depth mechanically. Like, yeah. When they were going into the like different mechanics and moves you can pull and off, like, I was like, slow, holy shit. Like the slow mode, the power, the energy meter and how it all works together. And they explain it really well and show it off really well. Like, I was like, man, this is like, I'm even more excited. It, mechanically, it looks awesome. And then it's like, they show off some of the other features and they were like, oh, so also, if you just want to play this like normal, you can just take off all the power moves and just play it standard like you would sort of um, Wii sports tennis mode or the yeah, Mario yeah. tennises of the old. So like, you can play old fashioned if you want, but like, if you want to play with all these cool in-depth power mechanics and moves and and stuff like that, like it's, it's there and there's a story mode as well mm. that... I'll probably play through like yeah. I feel like I feel like they had to do all this because the last Mario Tennis was so bare bones. It's disgusting. <laughs> so I think this one, <laughs> uh, this one, they had to sort of really impress people with a story mode and mechanics and characters. Like Chain Chomp just holding yeah, the tennis racket in his mouth. That's when awesome. I, when I first saw it, I was like, "That's an odd choice." And then I kept seeing it more. I was like, "I actually really like this this is awesome." Yes, yeah. and I feel like um, not to get into it too much, but I feel like Nintendo's at that point with. A lot of franchises with Mario Party, with Mario Tennis, um, where it's like the last ones on Wii U in particular were kind of like, oh, before, oh, just yeah. really average. Um, it, like 2016 for the Wii U, they just like push these games out. So uh, yeah, Mario Tennis, they just push it out. Like all it was is a bit of tennis with the um, Mega Mushroom, so you get bigger. That's all it was. <laughs> like, there was nothing to that's, it. That's it. And then like the Mario Party, it was like the first one I played on Wii U and I was like, this is pretty trash. Like, this is not, oh, not yeah. that, that I didn't great. even play it. I didn't play it. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, Nintendo was just in such a great stride. And listening to your last week's podcast of um, House of Mario, like, you and Bryce were saying, you know, I don't know if they can match last year. And I don't I don't think they can in the way that they did last year because last year was a lot of new games. But this year is, like, there was new games like Mario Tennis Aces happening um, and some other titles like that. But a lot of it is ports from the Wii U, like, Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze or Captain Toad's Treasure Tracker. And do you know what? I am so pumped for those because I didn't have a Wii U. I didn't want to get a Wii U. And now I actually get to play it. And for like a lot of people, it will be almost like a new game. And even if you opinion. even if you play the shit out of those games, you can put it in your pocket and take it with you And now. take it with you now. And it's yeah. a new experience because of how the Switch is, because mm. of the ecosystem that is there. And so I, I honestly think this year is going to be almost as... I, it won't be quite the same, but I feel like they're going to... Like they've already had Bayonetta come out, and there's, I feel like they've get, they're already doing a good job of padding out year two of the Switch. Hmm. Well, there's, there's definitely stuff there. Uh, just my issue was when they did the mini direct at the start of the year. They said, "All right, this is from now to June," and that was Bayonetta one, two, Donkey Kong, um, uh, Hyrule Warriors, and I was like, "I've I've played those, and you know, I, I don't want them again." So there's nothing for me. Yeah, and um, so apart from the, it was a bit lackluster. Mm. Until this direct that we've just had, and it's been filled more a lot by like indie games in particular, like games like Celeste, which are awesome. Mm. And there's a lot of third party support as well. A lot of announcements come out of the direct. I'm yeah. sure you, and Bryce, will talk. I feel, about I feel week. like, and also, really, you did not finish all the games from last year either. No, like if you finish Xenoblade Two, and Zelda, and, and Mario, Mario, and Splatoon, 
I know Gold Bri- of Mario Kart done. Like I know Bryce did, <laughs> <laughs> but not everyone no, is no, that devoted. Yeah, no, not everyone's Bryce. Because <laughs> <laughs> I like I got Xenoblade and I barely I barely touched it. Yeah, I was interested in it, but I was like, I don't have the time for that. Mm. No. So, what's your game? Your one game that you want to talk about just for this show before next week, Drew? Um, well, I'm really excited about a new WarioWare game on 3DS. I am too, but why is it on Switch, Drew? Why? Why? Uh, I don't know, but at least it's something. It's something. Um, so it's just basically an amalgamation of a heap of mini games from past games, and they've got a few new ones in there. That's what I can get from it. But really, WarioWare on 3DS should have happened a long time ago. Has it not actually happened? No. What? The last one was Wii. Are you kidding me? No. And they, they how had... long has the 3DS been a thing? Like 2011? Uh, ten. Ten. I think. Well, it was, it's getting towards a decade. Might be 11, I don't know. But yeah. it's been, it's been uh, several years. Wow, I, I, didn't, I just would have assumed that there was. And it's like, and it's like the biggest where there will ever be. Like over 300 freaking mini games. Like probably mm. further than will be like five seconds and kind of shit. Oh, they are. The they're, they're micro games. Yeah, yeah. yeah but look, like, where is awesome. But do you, do you think they'll bring it to Switch? Oh, eventually. Yeah. It'll, it'll be phenomenal on Switch. Oh, like, it on, just makes so much sense. My favourite one's the Wii one, just because of how crazy you can get with the controller. Like, there's one where you put it on the head, on your head, there's put it on your nose, <laughs> like you're waving it. Like it, it they, they use it in really wacky ways. It's just and, ridiculous, yeah. And just having, having, having it with the touchscreen, having it with the two Joy-Cons. And the Joy-Cons are so good. Like, the, the functionality of them, like, there's so much you can do, and it's, and it's like, hopefully... They'll they'll be able to do it with a lot of the mini games that go into the 3DS version. Maybe there'll be a lot of exclusive levels that just work better with the Switch when they hopefully it does eventually come. Like surely, surely, like I want it really bad. Yeah. Uh, another game I was really excited about was just a HD port of Okami HD. Yeah, I'm like thank God support. Yeah, because I've bought o- I've bought Okami on Wii, PS3, uh, PS4 just oh a Lord, couple of months ago, and, <laughs> and now it's um. On Switch, I'm like, oh, well, I want to play it there. So, okay. <laughs> yeah. well, and, like, I, I read the press release from Capcom um, of it, and it's just, like, the touchscreen mechanics of the painting and stuff like that within the game. It's just, like, that's really cool, and that, that works really well, and you can take it on the go because it's Switch, and it'll look really nice on the screen, and, like... Mm. Like, I, I love my PlayStation 4 and my Xbox One, and those ecosystems that are there, Drew, um, but Nintendo Switch is the best console that's ever been made. Like, Really? I Yeah. I Well, actually, this, this is what I want to... This podcast is going to go a bit longer than six more minutes, but this is a point. Like you've you've been a a PlayStation, like back back when we back were, in the day, back in the day, you were a hardcore PlayStation fan. I I to, fanboy Drew. I was a full PlayStation fanboy to, to the to 100%. the point when you got your Xbox three hundred and sixty, um, two thousand thirteen. Yeah, when I was at college. When you're yeah. at college, all of us went. What the fuck? You bought an Xbox? That yeah, is, this is not the Seamus Mullins we know. Yeah, because I always I had PlayStation three. Like I'd, growing up, I played a lot of different consoles. Had the original Xbox, um, and had some of the Nintendo consoles. But like the three DS and DS to a lesser extent were the only, and sixty four to an even lesser extent than that. Like I, I love Pokemon Stadium. Um, were the main consoles on Nintendo hardware that I had. Otherwise, it was PlayStation. And in more recent years, I've you know not realize that being a fanboy is stupid and dumb and it's you know all games are great and it's yeah. just nice owning everything but i didn't get with you because i just i had um, a playstation 3 and then an xbox one and then i got a playstation 4 i was like oh, i just were you just like there's so many great games there but the hardware really just wasn't what i wanted not very inspired not no. very inspired no no not at all um and the switch is like my first nintendo console i've bought myself first one i had since a 64 and beforehand i was like 
oh, like, I, it's a cool idea, but uh, like, I just don't think it's going to click. I just don't think it's going to do well. I think it's going to replicate how the Wii U did. And then I wasn't going to get it launched. Mm-hmm. And then the hype got me and I got one at launch. Yeah, cause <laughs> I saw you post on Twitter or Facebook, like, you, like you had a picture of your Switch. I'm like, huh, he bought a Switch. Like, I was surprised. I was yeah. Like, oh, sweet. I, I traded in my 3DS so I could... Yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing. If WarioWare is only in 3DS, I'm probably going to buy a third 3DS it is so only, I can only play. On 3DS, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and... Yeah, it's and I I was skeptical. I thought it was a cool idea, but I was skeptical of its popularity. But like, it's been awesome sales wise. It's been so popular, and it's just such an awesome console. Like, it's not as powerful, sure, as a PlayStation Four is Pro or an Xbox One X or building your own PC. So it's oh, not, God, like, no. <laughs> you're not going to play Witcher on that. Um, but like the types of games I play so much more are, are short indie games, very narrative driven as well. In particular. Um, and that works so well on the Switch and be able to, and like everyone's always asking for more cult games. Like the entire time I've been covering the industry and really been involved, like people are always like, oh, we need more cult games. The Switch is just a co-op console that you can put in your friggin' pocket. Like Absolutely, that's, yeah. that's what everyone's been asking for. And there's so many great first party games. There's so much indie stuff now and there's so much third party support. Like it's, it's an awesome console. I wish the battery was a little bit like more, like a couple hours longer, but it's it's fine. Like the like yeah. the berry for the most part. Nintendo's still like like the online is still pretty trash mm. in a lot of ways, and there's there's issues. Don't get me wrong, but like, yeah, I think it's the best console ever made. Honestly, holy shit! Yeah, wow. I wasn't expecting them that coming out of your mouth. Bloody hell! No, like I I absolutely love the uh, flexibility of the thing. Like like back to the Vita PS3 day. A lot of the times, if it wasn't cross by you'd be like, all right, should I get it on Vita? Because I can put it in my pocket, I can grind, like especially RPGs, I can grind, mm. I can uh, make progress that way. Or do I want it on my TV? Because this game looks stunning. Exactly. And I love the cross-buy feature. And they still do it now for like a lot of games like Icon mm. Class, an indie game that I haven't had the good chance yeah, to get a lot, to. A, a lot don't, though, unfortunately. Like, yeah, a lot don't, yeah. The, but the one I was really thinking, cool feature. The one I was thinking of was like a Digimon RPG. And like, it looks awesome on PS4, but it looks... Um, it works a lot better on Vita. Yeah. So, so it's just not quite, it wasn't quite there. It was really mm. close and it was more going for that like console experience, getting Killzone on it and a lot of other games and like the free disc as well. Awesome handheld consoles. Like awesome. But just the Switch is just the bringing it all together and like a lot of the ways I see the Wii U is just like what the Switch was meant to be and they just needed a more couple more years to figure it out. Yeah. Get it to work. Like it Back in 2012, I don't think you would have been able to make the Switch either, just with the technology around. Yeah, I don't know enough on the technical side of, like... No, I don't either. Yeah, but, like, probably. And, you know, it just wasn't in their mindset, or it's like, they Mm. just... Like, things take time. I think it was. It's just, they didn't have that mobile chip really ready to go back then. Like, NVIDIA was already sort of experimenting with their shields and... And, like, even the Wii U was, like, a big jump for them, where obviously they were like, oh, like... We have our home consoles and we have our handhelds and we want to like get something in between, but it just took a bit more, couple more years of innovation and working it out, and like now they've just hit the ground running. Like like what it was 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 for PlayStation with PlayStation Three. Like the the launch, it was an absolute mess, and they just really didn't know what they were trying to do, what ecosystem they wanted to build. And PlayStation Four, they just hit the ground running and just really like you know they're winning the console wars. If if you want to put it that way, yeah, they probably sold twice as many Xbox Ones. 
Microsoft is still being very profitable in their own way. Like the Xbox One still they very got plenty successful. of Excel to sell. Yeah, yeah, they've yeah. done real. Like Microsoft is being very successful and a very good, strong competitor. You're only as good as as your competitor, and Microsoft has been very, very good. And, and yeah. Sony learned from their lessons and created a really awesome ecosystem that has been lagging a little bit. There's, I feel like there's been a couple of years here where it's been a bit lagging, yeah. but now there's a lot of first battle titles and that's coming out and they're really hitting this right again. And I feel like that's what Nintendo did with the Switch. Like they they needed to fail to succeed as well as they have with the Switch. Mm. Yeah, because they, ca- they, they came out of the Wii just so... I guess they did not cocky like PlayStation was necessarily. I think they were though to a degree. I feel yeah. like they came out and it's like, hey, here's the Wii U. Like you're just gonna buy it because you love the Wii, and people are like. So is is that like an they didn't extension? Say get, they didn't say get a second job though. No, no. To, to be fair, but I feel like there was a there was a level of cockiness. Oh, yeah, there absolutely. of just presuming success and a lot of high lessons that that came from that. Which I have no idea why because they just came like from GameCube to Wii. It wasn't that long ago to forget that. I don't know why. <laughs> but, like, I feel like X, Xbox did it a bit as well. Like, oh. Xbox, original Xbox was, like, very preliminary start for them, very much just testing out, testing the wars. And then Xbox 360, massive success. And then they were like, yeah, we're well, just big shots now. Xbox One will just kill it. And there was just so many issues about their strategy, about their messaging. And so, if you know, it meant that PlayStation has and Sony has the upper hand. So, yeah, people are quick to forget. Yeah. It seems like it. <laughs> hopefully, because hopefully, I can see PS4 now, they're starting to be like, yeah, we forgot the PS3 days. We've been on, we've been on top forever. Yeah. PS2 was yesterday, wasn't it, guys? <laughs> like, I hope Nintendo doesn't go that way. Like, don't, don't forget the dark days, guys. No, and I feel... Because I sure have <laughs> <laughs> it's only been a year that the Switch has been out. Like, yeah, I know. I like. I think with the direct that you guys will go more into next week. It's. I think it shows that they're padding it out and like bringing across a lot of great games that they had on the Wii U. And now the in the background, I'm sure they're working on a lot of cool games to set themselves up for the future. And the third party is is great. Like it's better than it's ever been. There's more indies. It's a great ecosystem for indie developers right now. And I think it will continue to be as more people buy Switch. And there'll be a market Absolutely. there for people like me who want experiences. Like, even though I played Night in the Woods last year when it came out, because I just wanted to play it that badly. Like, if I hadn't, now, I would have played it on Switch. Oxenfree, I would have played it on Switch. Mm. Um, Celeste, I played it on Switch. Like, just because it's my preferred platform. Because yeah. I can take it with me because it's because it is my preferred overall console. Yeah, because I've always leaned towards handhelds and now just having having this is just, just a dream. It's perfect. Honest. Yeah. Yeah, and like, I still play on my PlayStation 4. Like, I play FIFA... 18 on my PlayStation 4 because that's where the best experience of that is. Yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, and it's just where I tend to play it most on the go. But, like, I'm over at my girlfriend's place and I can play... I can take it with me and we can play together. Or if I'm going on holidays, like, last year, I was traveling around Australia, like, heaps to Sydney, going back and forth between LA to Melbourne, going back home, town to visit family, and just traveling for events. It's like, having the Switch was just perfect. perfect. It yeah. was perfect. Yeah. God, <laughs> good, good thing, good thing. Um, that's what I've got to talk about this, Seamus. Yeah, fucking Super Smash Brothers. I thought you, I thought you would have to hold this back until, until next week, Drew. But yeah, fucking Smash Bros. Fucking Smash Bros. Drew. I don't know if I said this, but I was, I was watching the direct in the car. I think I did say that. I was watching it in the car, and when the Splatoon come back, like come back on it, it was basically reenacting the first trailer when Splatoon got. And announced. I loved it. It was such a good way to do it. Like. Immediately, I'm like, this this can't be Smash. 
this yeah. is gonna be smashed. And then like it, it's doing the like this the, the squid jumps out the paint and it does like that slow mo pass. Like, and this, th- this is edited like a smash trailer. And then it started to like slow down and go dark. And yeah, then this Victorian like, character just like turns around uh, and like it's in its eye and it's like oh it gives me it gives me shivers like, like thinking yeah. about like, this now. is smash this is smash and it's there it's like smash <laughs> and then it's just like Mario and Link just like what's going on bitch you're like <laughs> you read it bro <laughs> and there's a funny tweet like saying like <laughs> I'm like it's, it's a bit dark but like the, the squid kids they're just they're, they're just, just having a bit of fun and then Mario's just like then every oh. Nintendo uh franchises come just to beat the shit out of them <laughs> <laughs> and like I've, and, and it looks like in the back it's like one of the arms characters is like already there it's just like we're ready to go already guys like f- come on like yeah it's it's yeah I think like when it came out on Wii U not a lot of people I knew had it and so I didn't play that much and we played a lot of the Wii version like we played a lot back in, in the mm-hmm. day and so I think I got a bit burnt out on it and I've said this to you before but I yeah, feel yeah. like I've had enough time to sort of to sit on there and now it's like I feel ready for a new Smash and it's having it on the Switch as well it's like yeah that that would just be so much more perfect it would just be even better and for I was talking to some friends about this last night some big old Nintendo fanboys like like Joel and, <laughs> like like Joel and, and Riley and we and fanboys. we were talking about it's like surely it's a port surely like and from my perspective like what can they improve on Smash what like what can they add besides new stages and new characters. To make this game better, I was I was thinking it's going to be like there's been lots of talk whether it's port or a sequel, and uh, I I think it would be a like a new Smash Bros, but I don't think it would be the difference between Brawl and uh, Smash Four. No, where like no from Brawl to Smash Four, they completely redone the art style, so like it they made it look from gritty to just Nintendo pretty much from Brawl to yeah. Smash Four. But I think there might be along the lines of more Splatoon Two, how it's just like it's bigger better you know a bit better graphics more modes a few more characters like just stuff yeah, like that there'll be Splatoon characters there'll be arms characters hopefully Snake will be will be back true Snake. who knows who knows <laughs> who knows everyone's, um, everyone's hoping for Crash Bandicoot because of the insane trilogy coming like Activision does like money and like Nintendo would have to pay a lot so like maybe wouldn't that be so shitty if like Crash was in Smash Bros but wasn't in PlayStation Val Royale yeah, it'd, be, like. it'd be interesting because it's kind of like well his games are on the Switch now coming as, it, as is rele- it will as well. be relevant it will be relevant yeah um, I think the way it's going to work though it will be a sequel and IGN the new editor for IGN has a really good article talking about that it's actually being made by HAL Laboratory so more in house than it was Capcom like Capcom isn't listed, so no, no, um, Bando Namco, the Bando Namco, sorry, um, and like if it was a if it was a port, like it would be listed, but it's not. It's just I mean, it's kind of weird because it uh, Smash Four. It wasn't just made by Namco Bando. They had people from yeah everywhere yeah, coming yeah, towards yeah. it. Yeah, I'm just yeah, I'm just like they point out in this article that yeah. like if it was a port, like surely it would be listed there, but it's just how, and so that makes me yeah. think, and that's like why it would more likely be a sequel. But I think it will be a sequel, like looking mm. at all that evidence, but. Like you say, it just won't be as big a jump. But I think they'll be better just for marketing for Nintendo. It's like, hey, oh. this isn't just a port like Mario Kart was. And I feel like Mario Kart's just like, it's Mario Kart. People are just going to buy it. I they think, don't care yeah. if it's a port. But with Smash, it's like, for the core fan base, it's like, hey, here, no, here's a new game. I think it's pretty obvious it's not going to be, hey, guys, this is Super Smash Brothers Deluxe. They're not going to come out that. This is no. going to be, this is going to kick you in the balls and smash your teeth out. <laughs> this is Smash Bros. <laughs> They're going to come out. Reggie's going to have Goku hair, just... 
And and Oof. that's the thing. I think this year, last year, you know, was such a big year for the Switch and so many big, really great games like Zelda, like Mario Odyssey, um, like Splatoon 2. But this year is, is more the year of the ports and I'm, I'm okay with that. But And third-party support as well. And then the big guns of Smash, honestly. Like, mm. Smash is just such a big deal onto itself. Yeah. And who, who knows what's going to be E3 too. Yeah. They're announcing Smash now. They might they have, to, they have to at least show gameplay of Metroid or something like that. Yeah, I... I Metroid I'm, won't be this year. I don't think Metroid or the new Pokemon game will be this year. Oh, no year. way, no. No. I think that's what the next next year will be and this all of this is padding for for that and it's like you know I'm fine with that like you know yeah. we don't have all the time in the world to play every game as it is there's so many great games on the Switch that we have time like they're not as necessarily as original or as big as last year was but like you know last year was ridiculous yeah um, and they saw, they they had a lot of time sitting on the, like sitting on these games from the last few years of Wii U as well whereas now yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's still, like, it's, you know, Zelda, like, kind of didn't come out on Wii U. Like, it did, but it was more of a Switch game, Forget really. about it all the time, but it's on Wii U. Yeah. <laughs> At least I try to. <laughs> anyway, Seamus, thanks for joining me today. Thank you very much. No problem. Thank you so much um, letting me come on and be involved and, like, tell my tell my story in the way. I hope for you listening, it, it was interesting regardless of whether you want to get into writing more yourself or whether it's you're just interested in games and the process and how people make this actually happen because so often I think it's it's kind of left out a bit yeah um, and if you want to hear more cool stories of putting in work you can you, you can go to putting in work <laughs> so I feel like every every episode it's like hey John Peck does put in work yeah <laughs> Um, no but seriously thank you for having me on and, and let me talk about and like to share like it's cool it's awesome for me to have it and very unreal to be published on IGN and get paid and all these things but to share it with friends like you who back in the day it's where it's all started and you introduced you and Riley introducing me to beyond like hmm. without like who knows what my life would be like if you hadn't like I, I, I don't even know you'd be working in the coal mine and you'd be doing cocaine at night time that sounds better, actually. Can I still do that? Or? Uh, no, that, that laugh's gone. No, I'm so sorry. I'll I've taken I'll that just, away from you. I just have to keep doing games. Like, <laughs> uh, what plugs would you like to leave for the oh, audience oh my, to check oh out? Oh my lord, I haven't been on the podcast or anything for a while. Um, so um, on Twitter, I'm Seamus Mullins, uh, S-E-A-M-U-S. I like the originality, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the funny thing was um, my, my username online, like... If you search Seamus Mullins, you'll get a bit of stuff about me. If you search Mully2468, you'll get so much more about me because that's my username for like everything and it was on Twitter for a while. And then that one day, I just decided to check if Seamus Mullins was available and it was. And yep. then a month later, there's like this jockey that's now Seamus Mullins 1. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I just got injured yep. and I'm not letting it go. So uh, that's me there. I think I'm Seamus Mullins just on Instagram as well and I'm trying to post there more just like general gaming stuff like when I'm doing articles similar to... Um, twitter but also just like hey here's some a cool indie game that you should check out and just here's a little publicity for it even though i might not have time to write about it like go check it out um and i have like my own personal blog as well which is like wordpress.shamusjmullins.com i'm pretty much sure is the url like i just did a review of my girlfriend for florence which is a really cool game <laughs> did a review of your girlfriend <laughs> yeah <laughs> she's right <laughs> No, we did a review together. My girlfriend and I of Florence. Yes. Yes. Okay. I did a review of my girlfriend. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I think that's my main plugs and you can check out um, my work on OK Beast as well. I'm under the username Mully there. 
um, and I'll be doing more stuff with them in the future. And you can check out my article on IGN.com about Life is Strange if that's what you're interested in and I'm be doing more for them in the future, hopefully as well. Yeah, sounds awesome. And you'll be able to list, uh, go to all those links in the uh, show notes to find Shams' work. And you can find uh, Bryce and I at The House of Mario on Twitter, myself at iDruby, Bryce at Bryce DeWitt. And uh, yeah, join our Discord to have a chat. Yeah, I haven't joined the Discord yet. I only just realized recently that you guys have a Discord, so I'm going to jump in on that. I'm in so many Discords now. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of Discords. Like, lot of Discords. Even mine, mine's just a ding, ding, ding. It's, yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I want to join. Yeah, come and join me in there as a newcomer. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, <man>. Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> all right, Shame. So we're gonna we're gonna leave today with our Nintendo jukebox. How we do every week? Very nice. um, oh, my phone's gone dark. That's embarrassing. <laughs> put my passcode. How in. embarrassing! Oh. <laughs> uh, today is by Smooth McGroove. Uh, he's <laughs> he's got <laughs> he's got a remix. Uh, Spark Mandrill, a Mega Man X remix. I think it's time to go have some drinks. And, and some food and we'll leave I people to the nice tunes through yeah yeah alright guys enjoy the rest of your week day or just life life yeah enjoy your life like, don't don't get don't get hung up on the bad things just, just if, you really, if you really if you really didn't enjoy this podcast go for a walk or something <laughs> just, just walk it out just walk it off <laughs> do some yoga like if you go past your yeah no, we'll leave it there yeah. <laughs> Seamus thank you you're more than welcome to join us anytime thank you so much I, I hope I can in the future alright Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>